0: Welcome to the Husband Material podcast where we help Christian men outgrow porn. Why? So you can change your brain, heal your heart, and save your relationship. My name is Drew Boa and I'm here to show you how. Let's go. Hey man, thank you for listening to my interview with John and Lucas Fort, the co-authors of Father-Son Accountability. We are going to talk about what it can look like for a father and son to open up to each other about deep, vulnerable topics related to sexuality, like pornography and temptation and attraction and unwanted behaviors. Now, I know that this is not easy and some of you might be wondering, really, is that a good idea? Uh, Can I do that with my dad or should I do that with my son? Here's the main message that I want you to take away from this. It's a quote from their book that says, Fathers, most sons actually start to respect their father more when we admit mistakes we have made. Sons, most fathers feel honored that their son would dare tell them something as personal as a past sexual mistake. So, in this episode, you will hear a story of what it can look like for a father and a son to be allies, to have a friendship that goes deeper than surface level conversation and surface level behavior. I hope it gives you some hope for what your relationship can be like with your father or with your son or with other men. And to have wisdom about how to do this, because most of us, have never done anything like this. You will hear some tips about when this type of relationship can become inappropriate. And in some cases, not possible at all. And if you do want to pursue this kind of deeper relationship with your father or with your son or with other men, there's an easy way to do it. And just by listening to this episode, you're already taking the first step. Way to go, man. And Enjoy this conversation. Today on the show, for the very first time, we have a father and son joining us, John Fort and Lucas Fort. Welcome to the show. You guys are the co-authors of Father-Son Accountability integrity through relationship. And today we're going to hear more about what that is. Welcome to Husband Material. Thank you for having us. Yeah, it's good to be here. It's great to be with you guys. Now, what do people need to know about John and Lucas? Um, we're both really tall. Um, <laughs> you know, um, I'm Lucas. I'm 24
1: and I'm John's son. I uh, live out in near Portland, Oregon. And uh, I recently am a new father. My son is almost 10 months old. So, yeah, it's going pretty good. We got three
2: generations of Fort Men going here now.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Awesome.
2: My sexual past, which Lucas alluded to, we won't go to right now, is horrific. It's way worse than anybody listening. I absolutely promise you. Um, and then God rescued me through the help of a lot of well-trained people, counselors and supporter people and all that kind of stuff, and saved my marriage and saved everything. Right. And then I and I was hugely grateful for that. But I grew up pre-internet, like porn was magazines back then, right? And so I knew what was out there. And I look at my son, look at Lucas when he's like 10 years old. like, he doesn't have a chance. There is no way this guy has a chance with what's out there. I have to do something. And I was absolutely terrified. Let me tell you, even though I I can't imagine other dads, I did this for a profession. I talked about sex 40 hours a week for a profession, right? And then I was still absolutely terrified to talk to Lucas. Um, but so I get that, but um, I I had to do something. And so I just kind of said, well, I guess we're doing this. We'll see what happens. And um, it did help a lot that this is what I do for work. I help guys um, get free from sexual addiction for a living. And so Um, it's not like I didn't have a lot of influence, but I knew that I couldn't translate 100% of that to my kid because he's a kid and he's not an addict. And even if a teenager is looking at porn, it doesn't mean they're an addict necessarily at all. Mm -hmm. We use that word. We throw that around way too much. Um, so, uh, You you can't think of it that way. And you do things. There are some differences in working with a teenager compared Mm -hmm. to working with an adult. Mm -hmm. So when he was 15 years old, he went up to Washington and talked in front of a group of dads and their sons. You can bring your sons 12 and up to this thing. And they were always telling dads, talk to your son about stuff, you know, about integrity and that kind of thing. And I was going there for work because I work in this area. And I kept thinking they're not telling the dads what to say. They're just saying, talk to them. And so I asked Steve Delaney, he's the the head of the organization, said, can we, my son and I just come and just show people what we do. So that's how this started. But the problem is we only had an hour and there was way too much to say. Mm -hmm. So I started writing a handout. The handout turned into the book.
0: That's how the
2: book started.
0: I like that the book is small because really the point is to put down the book and talk, right? Yeah. And that's the whole focus is
1: is the father and son communicating with each other and kind of teaching each other my motivation behind
2: this whole thing is when i started this book long time ago. the original copy came out in 2016 um there was a lot of stuff for mothers and daughters but at that time there was nothing for fathers and sons and uh, especially for fathers sons like 12 and up and so it's like we got to help them so my goal was to get dad's talking to their sons. And what I found is dads are terrified of talking to their sons, but once you give them just a little bit of help, they're actually really good at it. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's what, where this
0: comes from. Yeah. That's awesome. Lucas, why are you passionate about this topic?
1: Well, I'm passionate about it just from seeing how my dad is as a, as a man, as a father, as a husband, um, seeing kind of where, where he came from in his background to where he is now and teaching other people and to me, it's been super motivational. It's just, there's many people that have gone through similar things as him that didn't turn out doing what he is. And to me, I just have the absolute utmost respect and love for him. And so that was something for me that like, it, seeing that happen. And then on top of that is seeing how there are other fathers and sons that you could kind of tell that this information was lacking um, just in their own knowledge. And so kind of having that motivation of, well, hey, we talk about it. I I know what we're talking about. I see what my dad's doing and how great he's doing. And it's like, well, I want to be a part of it. I want to jump in and help other people um, kind of be able to do what we do. Because if we came from where we came from and where my dad came from, and if we're able to be so solid, then I think anyone can.
2: Now, interesting, Lucas, the the name of this organization uh, is Husband Material. Yeah. Trying to make people better husbands. What? that we Mm -hmm. talked about when you were 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, you know, we started around 11 with this Mm -hmm. stuff, you think made you a better husband?
1: Oh, well, the first and foremost, absolutely. was the uh, emotional awareness um, because that was something that we had to break down um, and learning how to understand my own emotions and understand someone else's emotions as well and how to communicate without coming across as rough or abrasive or, coming across overly sweet and not hitting the point. So kind of finding that middle ground and that balance and 100% that's been the number one thing. Cause with my wife, Lauren, um, that's one thing is that, you know, her background had not nearly as good of communication. So I was kind of sort of the cornerstone for that, bringing that in and helping her learn how to do that. And of course seeing you and mom, uh, communicate so well as well has been an a influence too, but definitely that emotional awareness. And that's something that we really, really harp on uh, when we talk about the book. Yeah. And see, that's
2: one thing dads don't understand is the key of this is emotions. Mm-hmm. It's not sex. It's not porn. It's emotions. That's the key to the whole thing. So sexual integrity is from emotional awareness and knowing what to do with your feelings. Mm-hmm.
0: So really it's not about, Revealing all the sexual details. It's about getting to those core emotional triggers. Yep.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You do. We do have dads and sons talk about the mistakes they're making and that kind of stuff, but that's not the focus. That's not the Mm -hmm. center focus of things.
0: Sounds like the center is connecting at a heart level. Right. Mm -hmm.
2: That's why it's called integrity through relationship. Mm
0: -hmm. John, you mentioned some of the fears that come up. What are some of the common fears that men have about talking with their dads or about talking with their sons. Yeah. Yeah. So we
2: interviewed a bunch of Christian parents, including dads and a bunch of Christian teenagers uh, three years ago, be broken. did, And parents, so dads are included in this. The fears they have are, it'll create distance between me and my son. It will, that's one fear. It will, um, I'm I'm afraid that my son will find out about my past. That's a big one, okay it's um it's gonna be too much work. <laughs> Mom's never said that, but a lot of dads like I, this is just too much work. that's why we did this book. We're trying to make it easy. Mm-hmm. You just read it together, it's like 10 minutes or less and then ask each other this these questions. that's there's no quite there's no thinking involved <laughs> and um so so that's what dads are are afraid of. Or I'll ruin my son's innocence. That's another one. We asked a bunch of Christian teenagers, boys and girls, but it's all the same. And it was anonymous. And they wrote in a paper, We said, why do you not talk to your parents about sex? So this includes your dad. And they could. there was no multiple choice. They could write anything they wanted. Of all of them, there was only two things they said. They either said, um, my parents, my dad won't understand how I feel or I'll get in trouble for what I say, or even for what I ask. I have a question about sex. I remember I was nine years old and I heard some teenage boys talking about masturbation. They, they didn't use that word. I don't remember what they said, but I know now that's what they were talking about. And I was afraid to ask my dad. So I tried to ask my mom and she freaked out. She didn't get mad at me, but she was like, ah, you know, and I realized it is not safe Trouble will happen if I talk to my parents about sex. If I ask them, and so I never did again. And that was the beginning of really bad things in my life because I started going to porn and older teenage boys to talk to ask them questions about sex. That's what kids are afraid of. What happens is, is when you talk the way this book is talking about, it actually makes the relationship closer because the kid realizes, oh, my dad does understand how I feel. And when my dad tells me his messed up sexual past, then oh he does know what I'm feeling like and I'm not getting in trouble. And then they end up getting closer. In fact, more than anything else, we hear dad say this book made me and my son
0: closer than ever before. Mm-hmm. Lucas, what was it like for you talking with your dad about sexuality?
1: Well, yeah. So I mean, number one, it all, it all started in the backyard because my dad's way of interest- introducing it was let's go do yard work so we're doing yard work and then all right so I'm gonna ask you these questions like oh boy um and so it kind of became that thing of all right dad asked me to do yard work well I guess I know what we're talking about um but but no it was uh it it was really interesting because like he was saying um I definitely was afraid of what his reaction would be when I opened up about stuff that happened to me or that I was experiencing or feeling um but the thing was every time that I opened up and told him exactly how I was feeling, exactly what was going on in my head, his response was always um, what I mentioned earlier about the good balance. If he wasn't ever angry, um, even if I thought that he would be for some reason, and he wasn't also just overly like, Oh wow. Oh, so touchy touchy. It was that good balance of like showing that he cared about me, but not being upset at the same time. So doing kind of both. Um, and <clears throat> the big thing for me was that on top of him, accepting everything that i said and being like yeah i've been validating my feelings what's going on he would also share in for stories from his side and for things that happened to him in the past so it was kind of like him saying hey you're feeling these things that's valid in fact i had this experience and kind of doubling up on it so coming away from it i go into it being like oh you know we're gonna go do yard work and i'm gonna have to talk about sex and then it comes away from it being like wow no we actually both were opening up about stuff and we both were it was it was a two way street. It wasn't just me talking and him listening and saying, Well, this is right or this is wrong. It was validating each other's feelings and what was going on and saying, Hey, you know, we I understand what's happening, you know, basically letting me know you're not wrong for feeling this, you're not wrong for thinking this, but instead being like, Okay, well, you know, let's understand why it is you're doing what you're doing and why you're feeling it. And that was the whole premise of it. And to me, that was just mind blowing. Because I was, again, I was totally expecting I'm going to get, you know, berated for whatever it is I'm feeling or thinking. And, yeah.
2: We talked a lot about <clears throat> feelings, not just what you're doing. So even things like fantasy and stuff like that, which a lot of dads leave out. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't look at porn recently. Well, so, I mean, what else is, but it doesn't mean, there's a lot of stuff going on in your head and you're thinking, right. am I a right. freak because this is happening to me?
0: Yeah. It's important to note, this is not the porn police checking up on bad behavior and keeping track of how good it's been or how bad it's been. Uh, This is going deeper into the inner world, right?
1: Yeah. 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 Well, and, and, and that's exactly right. I mean, when I was a teenager in middle school and we had been talking about sex and about different emotions and stuff for a while and... I remember I came home and I'm like, oh man, I messed up. I totally dropped the ball. It's horrible stuff. And, you know, I'm sure my dad was probably thinking like, oh, what happened? Did he fantasize, look at porn, what happened? And I'm like, oh, there was a girl that was wearing short shorts and I caught myself looking at her. And, oh, I had looked away and I felt so bad. And he's like, well, what'd you do with those feelings? Did you do? I'm like, well, no, I just looked away, but I felt bad that I even noticed. He's like, well, okay, you're, you're a man. This Biologically, that's okay. That's what happens. And so that, that was the whole thing is like, you know, me even feeling comfortable. And that's, there could be boys out there, you know, young men that feel bad because they do something as minor as that. And they feel, oh no, I messed up. I'm so horrible. I'm impure when that's simply not the case. And so, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't have brought that up to him and talked about it if it weren't for our communication and our, you know, communal emotional awareness and everything that wouldn't have happened otherwise.
2: Yeah. When that happened, it occurred to me that what he'd experienced was a biological reaction. His body was reacting to seeing an attractive girl that had a lot of skin showing, right? And so, and, and <clears throat> he thinks, well, that must be bad, right? Because we're not supposed to, and it, 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 in a in a flash, it all kind of came to me. Well, there's a biological reaction, then there's sexual temptation, and then there's giving in to lust. And I said, the, the biological reaction is good and normal. Maybe we should celebrate. That's Everything's working the way it's supposed to right? (laughs) And then temptation is, yes, maybe you're tempted to keep recalling that and imagine her naked or masturbate to thinking about it or go look at porn or whatever. That's temptation. But even those thoughts are, are, are even Jesus was tempted, right? I imagine when Jesus was a teenager, he had similar temptations, right? Then there is giving into that. And so it's like, when you delineate that, and I realized that even helped me, that, that discussion helped me realize, oh, when I feel a biological reaction, I don't have to feel shame about that. And if I'm tempted, I don't have to feel shame about that. And by doing that, it prevents me, it's less likely that I will give in to lust when I realize this is just normal. It's okay, I don't have to freak out about this. And so that conversation helped me, I think, as much as it helped him because I'd never really thought about it until a 13-year-old asked me that question.
0: Mm -hmm. I love how your relationship and the foundation that you built allowed lucas to let go of that shame because what usually happens is we carry the shame and it sticks to us yeah yeah and you were able to let it go i mean that's just so beautiful that you had this honesty vulnerability trust that was built and it reminds me of one of my favorite quotes from the book you cannot feel truly loved when you are not fully known.
2: I got that from my boss, Jonathan Doherty, by the way. I, that quote <laughs> is not from me. I'm quoting my <laughs> boss. So. Now this happened because we started before puberty when he was younger. You can't, it, it, this would be much harder, don't you think, if you waited until 13, 14, 15 to, I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of dads don't hear this until their son's that age. We help dads with teenage boys start these conversations and mm-hmm. it's still great, but there's less to unlearn the younger you start with this stuff. So like 10, 11, 12 or whatever, somewhere in there is is there's other conversations you should be having before this mm-hmm. that, that this is not.
1: So. Well, and especially because what you told me before is that that average age that, you know, people are expo- exposed to pornography is getting younger. And mm-hmm. so it's like if, if kids are younger, getting exposed to that kind of stuff, that doesn't mean, well, they're six or seven. I can't even think about talking to this until they're 10, 11, 12. It's like, no, it's it's OK to start You know, introducing the emotional awareness yeah, stuff yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, that yeah. isn't you can have intentions of talking about, you know, sex and pornography and everything like that later. But having the emotional awareness mm-hmm. begins as early as yeah. you can. And,
2: and we did mom and I talked with both you and your sister mm-hmm. about emotional from really little. Mm -hmm. Because when I went through therapy, my therapist said, you don't even understand emotions at all.
0: So I'm guessing we have some fathers listening to this, thinking about their sons, maybe their young sons or adult sons. And I'm guessing that we have some sons listening to this who might be adults, and yet they have never really connected with their fathers about this. Mm -hmm. So for a father with his son, when does this kind of relationship become inappropriate? Mm.
2: So Jeremy Keaton, who's the head of counseling at Focus on the Family, helped me the most with this. It can become invasive where the dad's invading the son's privacy, right? Um, if the son doesn't want to talk about it, you have to back off, right? We did talk about masturbation, that that kind of stuff, you have to be careful about that because... um If a kid doesn't want to talk about it, then they shouldn't have to, you know. But if a kid, like, wants, there's kind of like there's a a level of detail that, like, we don't need to be talking about it, if that makes sense, you know. Um, We don't even need to say, like, when it's happened. For example, with Lucas and I, it's like I said, I'm not going to be telling you when I have sex with mom. And you don't have to tell me that if you do masturbate, I don't want to know like what day it will. I don't need to know we don't need to know that kind of let's let's keep let's keep a little bit of that kind of stuff and we don't need to know mm-hmm. details. Uh, there were times when Lucas actually this is actually pretty common when I've worked with young men, is the way a person masturbates becomes like embarrassing to them. It's like, is this normal I did that? And and Lucas did that and I've had other young men do that too. And it's like I kind of stop him. It's like, you know, I, I don't need to know. I don't want you to paint a picture of that in my head, <laughs> but at the same time is, yeah, that, that's been done a thousand times by a ton of other people. Like you, you didn't invent that. <laughs> so there's yeah. they're, 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 that kind of thing, but it's that type of detail. You don't want to get too much into because then you're, you're almost bridging into illegal territory at that point in time. Um adult as far as the minor adult kind of relationships. You have to be careful about that kind of stuff.
0: Another thing that you mentioned is that the term accountability can be confusing. Like a father depending on his son to be his accountability partner doesn't feel appropriate. So what would you recommend? So you as a dad need to have your own adult
2: accountability partner. Lucas knew I went to a support group. He even knew some of the men who were my support network, he knew them personally. He knew who they were, you know, and 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 I it, what did you feel about that? I had those relationships. How does that make you feel?
1: It was a good thing in my mind, because um, in the same way that I was going to you to talk about what I was feeling and everything, I kind of viewed it the same way for you. Mm-hmm. So when you would go and say, you know, I'm going to my group or whatever, I knew that you were going to be talking to people about different issues or different thoughts you've been having and everything um, in the same way that I'd go to you. And so I never felt like, oh, he's not sharing stuff with me. I kind of felt like it was good because I felt like my relationship with my dad was more so, you know, we're sharing with each other, but it's focused on me. But then he has his network where it's focused on him. And so I feel like it was that kind of I kind of understood that maybe I didn't put those words together in my head, but I understood that was what was going on.
2: I didn't want him to ever feel like, oh, dad's got this issue. I, I don't know what to say to him to help him. I have that outside. That's out. That pressure is not on him. Another thing is um, don't share with your kid anything that you wouldn't also share with your wife. Or especially like, well, don't tell mom, but. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Now, there were things, that, there was a time when Lucas talked to both my wife and I, and then he got to a certain age that I only want to talk to dad now. It's not that anything he told me was like mom can't know this more. Just I kind of feel more comfortable if just we're talking about this. It's not that it's a secret, right? And so that's the kind of thing is. But you don't ever ever want to put a kid in the position of, you know, something that mom can't know. This is not the secret club, yeah. right? If that makes sense. That's um right. So so those kind of things. That that's true. I'm glad you brought that out. Mm-hmm. Is that I have to have my own accountability, and my son needs to not to to realize. Somebody else is taking care of that. I'm still sharing when I'm tempted. I'm still sharing when I have trouble with fantasy. I'm still sharing slips and things like I have, but not like not to the extent. So for example, if I was having some kind of temptation, I reach out to my network. Um, at some point later, maybe I might say, Yeah, I've had some issues with temptation this week, but I'm not, he's I'm just doing that so he knows that's a normal thing. Not that I'm trying to put that on him. Right. That, does that make sense?
0: you are always focused on serving your son rather than your son feeling like it's his burden to care for you.
1: Right, Mm -hmm. right. Yep. Well, and then that kind of translated over and also seeing my dad going to his network of people. um, To me, since we had been doing this kind of stuff and talking about it for so long, um, later in high school, I even had a couple other accountability partners um, Mm -hmm. that I'd go to as well. Maybe because kind of going away towards the point of, Okay, once I become an adult, maybe I still talk to my dad, still share stuff with him, but going to the point of, well, I have my own partners and my own network. Um, and so I started that even as early as like late high school, mm-hmm. um, having another high school friend or someone who's maybe in my church that was an older uh, person, like in the youth group or whatever it may be, um, and kind of going that direction. Um, and I mean, that definitely stemmed off of seeing my dad, well, he has his own network of people he goes to. So I ought to start having my own at some point. Yeah.
2: I do. And I actually encouraged him to do that when you were like 16, 17, somewhere in there. And that's I encourage dads to do that, too. It's like your son should not feel like he's locked to you as he gets older before he leaves. It'd be nice if he has other people he talks to about this Mm -hmm. Um, so he can experience that and not expect when he moves out. All of a sudden, he just has to figure that out.
1: Not everyone is like I am in this sense. I'm a very outgoing people person, but even this experience and starting having other accountability partners that were similar to my age in high school that translated to now in my working life and in my career is I even talk to coworkers and start getting the ball rolling on talking about different subjects, be it religion or the whole or sexuality or whatever. And that's one thing that I have that I enjoy is kind of getting people to, you know, feel like they don't have to bottle stuff up. And if someone ends up wanting to be open with me and everything, great. If not, no worries and I keep it work appropriate, you know, but I still feel like I try to kind of bring that those conversations and that openness and everything And You, you crack
2: me up. You you'll know somebody for 20 minutes and get them talking about their porn use.
1: Um. <laughs> <laughs> usually it stems off because I, I I I'll misspeak sometimes. I'll be like, Oh, what does your dad do? I'm like, Oh, he works in the porn industry. I mean, no, no, he doesn't work, <laughs> he 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 gets people away from porn. Sorry, that's not yeah. and usually they're like, What now? <laughs> so, but <laughs>
0: So you've been doing this for years. You've been training people on how to form really deep, meaningful father-son relationships that are healing and growing and developing sexual maturity. What are some of the most important tips to keep in mind?
1: I think one of the most important things to me at least is um, to understand that this is not about uh, like punishing bad behavior. Um, So when any father's opening up to their son or any son's opening up to their father is, it's not about pointing out, well, you did this thing wrong. And we're going to focus on that. Like, that's definitely a big one. Um, That's something I've seen. I know that my dad's seen as well. A lot is fathers, you know, getting used to, well, we're trying to get rid of the bad behavior, right? It's like, well, No, it's trying to lead them into good behaviors and learning how to do other things that are healthy and better for themselves Mm -hmm. rather than this. And understanding that what they're doing is biologically okay and good, in fact, but we're not trying to punish them wanting to do these things. And Mm -hmm. I think that's something that's really important. Big tip.
2: Yeah, the relationship is more important than behavior. So all teenage boys are going to struggle with their sexuality none of us adult men manage our sexuality perfectly and neither will our sons. Okay. But <clears throat> the relationship is important because let's say that that your, your son struggles and never really does very well. If you ruin your relationship over that, then what have you got? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because I've had dads who've gone through gateway to freedom, which is be Broken's. Um, men's intensive weekend for recovery from sex and porn addiction and who've had sons in their twenties and bought this book and gone and done this with their 25, 26 year old. Okay. Because they said, I never did this with my son and I want to. Right. Um, So, so, but they can do that because they didn't destroy the relationship. So you can still help your son after he's 18. If you maintain the relationship. And so, That's the big thing is, is, is that that has to come first. It doesn't mean you just say, well, whatever you do son, is fine. That's not what you're saying, but whatever that means for you and your son, that has to be the most. So you got to do, you got to invest in that relationship a ton. Mm -hmm. Um,
1: Another part of that too, is what I was talking about of, you know, um, not getting upset, the bad behavior, but on top of that is, you know, leaving room for your son, whatever age he is, is that if there's a, A way that he's the father is communicating that the son doesn't like is asking, you know, okay, so, you know, how do you feel about this? How did that make you feel? And if the son ends up saying, I really don't like the way that this is making me feel, I don't like the way that you're talking about this or this kind of thing, is having the room as a dad to understand, okay, I got to need, I need to back off a little bit. Or, you know, maybe the son is saying, well, I feel like you're, you're lecturing me rather than helping me and that kind of stuff. So being open to criticism from your son and, you know, like my dad was saying, not letting that ruin the relationship is being willing to be, okay, well, we're both learning. And, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And also being willing to apologize. Yeah. One of the most healing things my dad ever said to me was that he did a really lousy job of teaching me about sexuality. And when I heard him say that, I just wept and melted into his arms and and hugged him. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that apology... Those words, I'm sorry, from your dad are so huge, even if it's for something little. Mm. The reason I say that is because sometimes we feel a pressure to do it perfectly mm. when in fact making mistakes, apologizing and repairing those ruptures is actually really important. So oh, without the imperfection, we can actually miss out on deeper connections.
2: Well, the thing is, is your the son is going to mess up somehow, in some way, right? And if he doesn't see his dad mess up, he will feel like my dad can't relate to me. So if the messing up is just like I do something in my communication that's not good, and then say, man, I am really sorry about that. I'm not perfect either. It's that not perfect either that bonds people together. Mm-hmm.
0: It's so helpful. That's, that's just so liberating to realize that my... Weakness and my own mistakes are actually what qualify me and what allow me to relate mm-hmm.
2: because the relationship is important,
0: and the way the relationship is built is over
2: our mutual brokenness. Mm-hmm. That's where we connect. Do you want to connect over? I did it right this week. I did it right this week. No, I did it wrong this week. I did it wrong this week. That's where the connection
0: happens. Mm-hmm. It's so good.
1: Because some, sometimes it's, sometimes the yard work gets boring when everyone's doing well, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: It's so funny. I didn't realize I was doing that, but he gives me a hard time. Apparently, that's what I did from the time he was like 11 years old or 10 or something. Mm-hmm. And so I do say this to dads. Speaking of that, when you have a conversation with your son about emotions or sex, do not sit looking at each other. Yeah, Don't do that. The reason I did the yard work is because we would not be looking at each other when we're mm-hmm. doing that. Um, so, so you need to be sitting where your eye looking kind of in the same direction or a different, whatever, you know, kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Otherwise it just feels like an interview and yeah, pulling up your resume of your, you know, sexual past and stuff. It's like, well, <laughs> that's not.
0: So side by side works better than face to face. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: Yep.
2: Another thing is you can do it like during a car ride because they can't get out, you know, and there's sucks.
1: I didn't expect me to feel relief from this, but one of the things that was very relieving as a, a young boy was. Going through puberty and my dad telling me, like when you go, because he's a has a biology major, and one of the things he talked about is when you go through puberty, your your uh, hormone levels just shoot through the roof by like hundreds and hundreds of percent going through puberty, shooting up. And so sometimes you have a teenager that will do something and you ask, Well, why'd you do that? Why'd you feel that way? Well, I don't know. And when they say I don't know, they're telling the truth. And that was one of the things that I didn't expect to be freeing when I was younger, but it was nice to be like cuz I'd feel stuck sometimes if he asked me a question and I'm trying to come up with some answer that may, might not actually be true. Um but him telling me like you know, oh well, that's like that you it makes sense that you don't know. I if if, you, if, I, if my hormone levels were jumping like that too, I wouldn't know either. Yeah. And so it's like that was, you know, yeah. w- one of the things as well, yeah, for the, sure. The but.
2: first year of puberty nothing worked. <clears throat> It, the hormone levels go up, depending on what research you look at, anywhere between 1,500 and 4,000% and in mm-hmm. like a year. And that's a tidal wave. And the prefrontal cortex, which is a part of your brain that helps you moderate both your feelings and your sex drive, doesn't fully develop until you're 25. And so you've got... The somebody with a the foot in the gas, full full on, and there's no brakes. And so, the first year of puberty, all the stuff that a kid does, it it it, it isn't about emotions. It isn't. I was teaching Lucas about yeah, you know, which core emotions are going to be your trigger. The first year of puberty, everything's a trigger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like there's the, you're you are a trigger. You know what I'm saying? So like that first year, you're just trying to get through that. And so I had taught him about the emotional stuff, but that one year, like none of it made any sense. Mm-hmm. Like, a, like almost to the day, a year after, it started to make sense. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I'm realizing that when I have this feeling, I'm more likely to be tempted or want to act out, right? But that year of puberty, just throw it all out the window. We're just, we're, we got the foot in the gas. We're just trying, you know, not to get in a wreck. Um, so if, we, if you think about it that way, like, yeah, we're going to do best
0: we can. Yeah, it's validating. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was. Lucas, at this point, you are in your 20s, you're a husband, you're a father. Looking back, what is the result in your life now because of your relationship with your dad?
1: Well, I mean, I I don't think I would be nearly as good of a husband or father or anything if it weren't for Relationship that I have with my dad and all of that communication. Like I talked about, the number one thing I've taken away is that communication and the understanding of emotions. Um it was one thing where, you know, seeing seeing him and my mom and how they raised my sister and I and how they got along well as a couple. Uh, when I was like 16 or something, I just randomly decided my lifelong goal is to be the best husband and father I can. And it wasn't people talk about careers and stuff in high school. I'm like, I don't care what I do for a career as long as I'm there for my family and I'm good with them. And we all love each other. Like that's the most important thing. And I wouldn't have felt that way if it weren't for the, everything my dad and I did and talked about. And so that m- emotional awareness and that communication and having that solidity as a family really molded me into who I am now and who I want to be. Um and I know my dad's mentioned it before. I know everyone's goal as a parent is to be better than your parents. And that's a pretty high bar because my parents are pretty fantastic. But I, I think, uh, yeah, I, I that 100% is the reason I am who I am now is because of everything that we've talked about and all that. I mean, I like I said before, I wouldn't be talking to coworkers that I've only talked to for an hour about you know their emotions and sex and religion and all that kind of stuff if it weren't for all that communication and all that emotional awareness and stuff. And I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to try to toot my own horn or anything, but I feel like, uh, I feel like I present myself to other people as a pretty solid emotional person with a really good foundation. And that all stems from everything that my dad and I have done and talked about. I would say
2: to anybody who's not a dad yet, dude, start working on your emotions to Mm -hmm. get ready to be a good husband and a good, good dad.
1: Yep. And then the thing is too, there's no there's no weakness in being, you know, not perfect. There's no weakness in, you know, not being emotionally solid and aware and everything like that. Like that doesn't make you less of a man, doesn't make you less of a husband or father, or whatever it may be. And so yeah, when he's talking about, it, it's like, I mean, I mean, that's the thing. He my my dad already being a husband and a father of two was realizing, you know, oh, I'm I'm broken in this way and I need to get help. And so it's like, you know, that's if if somebody who's already a father and a husband is doing that kind of thing and having that feelings, then there's no reason why you shouldn't start doing it before.
0: And hopefully it will become more normal for dads and sons to talk and connect and to have an appropriate and supportive relationship, especially with our sexual imperfection.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah john how has your relationship with lucas affected you what's so
2: awesome is how it has paid off and that lucas wants to spend time with me we see each other at least once a week you know Mm -hmm. and usually more often than that it's like i wish i could have had that relationship with my dad unfortunately he had early onset alzheimer's so you know, this the way my recovery worked and with his, it just it, it, we never kind of got to connect at that level. Um, but the fact that I can connect that level with Lucas and with my daughter as well is inc- is amazing. It's just like I like I can't believe it. Almost seems like this is not real. Like there'll be times when you come over and you hug me and you talk to me and you're just like this and you'll leave. And I was like, How is this happening? Because it's just like you don't see this happening. Most of my friends. That have kids the age of Lucas like they don't have this kind of relationship at all and sometimes I'm like afraid to talk to them because of, like they start feeling ashamed that they just that their relationship with their adult kids is just is just okay you know but um you know this is like we we're who we want to hang around with it's just really mm-hmm. unusual it's like and and at Lucas's age he's more you know we're kind of more friend like you know what I'm saying you do different stages of parenting and you get to this stage and it's like I don't give mm-hmm. him advice hardly ever anymore. He doesn't need advice anymore. We just hang out and have fun and talk. We still talk about our feelings and mm-hmm. things like that because why wouldn't we? Yeah, you know. I mean, who, who? Very few people know me as well as Lucas at this point, and who can say that about their son? Really, mm-hmm. it really seems almost surreal sometimes. Yeah. If that makes sense, like how can this be? Yes. And then we now we have Elias, his son, which is awesome. And so like, they're you know and. Elias is picking up in all this emotion already picking up in all this emotionally <laughs> surrounded by emotionally healthy people as a baby. <laughs> oh my gosh, who knows
0: what he's going to be like? Um, probably be huge too. Tall, just like his dad and just like his granddad.
1: Yeah, we'll see I mean, it. I mean, runs, it runs in, huge, so.
0: yeah it runs
2: in the family. I'm actually not that tall for a fort.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what about for a son who's listening, longing for emotional connection with his dad? They've never talked about sex or when they have, it's been uncomfortable. If a son wants to initiate with his father, what would you recommend?
1: First off, obviously talking and getting together with them for a kind of, you know, mutual interest reason, be it, you know, for when we're going fishing or whatever, kind of in a in a different setting than at home. I feel like that kind of escape where you're outside doing something. I'm like we talk about when we have conversations, you know, getting out, going to a walk, going fishing, whatever it is. Um, but actually starting it up, starting talking about more, just like, I guess, base, basic emotions in the sense of not going straight into, oh, so this is, I looked at pornography the other day. It's like, well, maybe start off first with going into like, you know, oh, uh, this thing at work or this thing happening in my life. Is making me feel this positive way, and this thing's making me feel this kind of negative way, and kind of opening up of like I have these kind of negative feeling about this. You know, Dad, what's your thought on that? What do you think about that? And kind of getting them involved in some of the more baseline stuff, and over time, you know, slowly opening up more and more, and introducing more emotions and stuff. And um, I feel like for some people, depending on the person, some some fathers I know can be a little uh, a little hardened and a little kind of closed off, you know, like, I don't, I don't share my emotions because I'm a man, you know, that whole thing. Um, And I feel like some of it might even have to start with, well, I'm as a son, I'm going to start introducing some of this emotions. And after a number of times getting together, then I introduce like, oh, well, dad, how do you feel about this? Or what's going on in your life? What about this? And kind of starting off from that place and kind of building up from there. Mm
2: -hmm. I think you're right. I think the way to start is, Talk about feelings and just kind of basic feelings like good, bad. Don't, don't get all in depth. We tell parents don't talk to your kids about sex until you've talked to them about feelings. Mm-hmm. You got because feelings is the training ground. Sex is too personal. Feelings are personal, but not as personal as sex. So that's a training ground for talking about personal things. Um, but the reality of it is, there are going to be some dads who just can't because they have too much brokenness in their life, they have too much pain in their life. Um, and sometimes men cover that up by being funny and joking. I have a a friend who's older than me that I know his story, and he's got a ton of pain, not about sex, but just pain in his past, and his way of dealing with it is to never, if the conversation ever starts to get serious, he immediately starts telling jokes. And so, But sometimes that's the best people can do, and we have to also accept people like that's the best we can do. Now, if you're a son, like an adult, age son and um you're trying these things um and you need someone to talk to it may not be your dad and that's a really sad thing but that's just that's what it's me i never was able to talk with my dad about this kind of stuff i mm-hmm. had to have accountability partners to help me
1: and from my own experience um i would also say even if it, ha- it happens to be reaching out to a co-worker if it happens to be reaching out to maybe you're in some kind of sport club and you're reaching out to someone there. Um, I think you might be surprised how many men are willing to talk about it. It is a lie that men are bad about talking Mm -hmm. about feelings. Mm -hmm. My experience shows
2: that men actually can be better than women about talking about our feelings once we start doing it. Men can be extremely good about talking about feelings. It's it's not a male thing. It's a cultural thing. I lived in Brazil for two years when I was younger. And men there talk about their feelings all the time. It's not it is a completely a cultural issue. It has nothing to do with
0: male genes or anything like that. That's so good. That's so profound. We can learn this stuff. We can grow even if we were never taught.
2: Absolutely, you can do this. It, you know, it's just that it, we just think we can't. We get afraid. We've never seen it done.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: It takes a redemptive risk. To step out and reverse the curse of being underfathered. Right. Reverse right. the curse of shame and silence and fear so that we can help each other outgrow porn and be sexually whole. Here's the crazy thing, Drew, that talking to
2: Lucas about feelings and sex is what made our relationship amazing.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I know lots of dads They have sons, you know, 12 to 15, 18, whatever, somewhere in there. And some of the ones who talk with their sons about feelings and sex are way closer to their kids than the ones who don't. Mm -hmm. And everything else, they go to church, they do all Mm the stuff like that, they do things together, they talk. But when you leave the personal aspect out, it just cuts the relationship off at the knees of to what it can be. Mm -hmm. There's just a night and day difference in relations between dads and their sons, when they talk about feelings, number one, number mm-hmm. one is feelings and the number two, sexuality.
1: Yep. Well, I mean, that's the thing, because in the Bible, I mean, you know, Jesus talks about how, you know, marriage and, you know, having sex basically is one of the closest things to feeling what it's like to be with him. And it's like, if that's, we're talking about that emotional thing, we're talking about the most intense emotional thing that we can experience. And so if it, if it makes sense to me, of course, dude, I would bring you closer together. Mm-hmm.
0: It's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. And what you're saying is we can develop it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, The funny thing is, is dad's fear talking to their sons about sex because it's going to be hard and ruin the relationship when in fact, it's the thing that makes your relationship better than it ever could be any other way. Mm -hmm.
0: Okay, John. Okay, Lucas. (laughs) What is your favorite thing? about freedom from porn.
1: Oh, um just
2: the lack of shame. I was addicted to sexuality, not just porn, but ma- all this stuff, masturbation, fantasy, everything, all that kind of stuff since I was like 11 years old, right? And being able to go to church, being able to be in a conversation and saying I haven't done that since way back when and like that lack of shame it, to me is the, that that freedom. When you hear freedom, it's like, I don't, I, it, it's not that looking at porn defines you or destroys whatever, you know, it's like, it's the freedom to say, wow, I don't have that thing hanging over my head all the time now.
1: Yeah, I, I'd say for me, honestly, it's uh, the, the freedom to be able to focus on other things mm-hmm. in my life is not, you know, not being able to focus on my wife, being able to focus on my son and not having something else that's, you know, eating away at me and trying to get in there. Um And then even when temptations come up, being able to knowing how to, and being able to talk about it, address the feelings and the emotions. And, you know, and at this point, after doing it for so many years, when a temptation arises, being able to be like, oh yeah, I understand that. This is why I'm feeling that way. Cool. Okay. I'll text this person, talk about it. Cool. Back to what I'm doing. And it's just nice to having that freedom to be able to not have that intrude on all the other aspects of my life. Because I number of it's times so I talk to other people and hear other men and everything where you know it definitely is a burden to them and getting in the way of other things and taking up time. And yeah, just it's nice to not have that uh hanging over my head.
0: It's so good. And as counterintuitive as it may sound, fathers and sons can be a part of that together Mm
1: -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm.
0: so thank you for writing this book guys if you want to get a copy of father son accountability you can go down to the link in the show notes and connect with john and lucas as well thanks so much for being here of course thanks Thanks for for having us yeah gentlemen always remember you are god's beloved son and you he is well pleased